Welcome to Fueling the Revenue Engine. My name is Roz Greenfield, co-founder and chief enablement officer at Level 213. This podcast was created as a response to requests that we've gotten from the enablement community looking for resources to support them as they navigate this evolving landscape of enablement. As we look to the future of our profession, we believe that this is a great time to connect with other enablement leaders for discussions that take a closer look at relevant enablement topics. It's our hope that this podcast provides insight, guidance, and support to the go-to-market enablement and sales leadership community during both prosperous and challenging times alike. We're coming to you from San Francisco, California, where we are in the middle of figuring out what the impact of the coronavirus will be now and in the long term. For the immediate future, we are still under a shelter-in-place order here, which means that we're using conferencing technology instead of studio sessions to put this podcast together. As such, please excuse any fluctuations in our audio. In my experience working with sales enablement community, I find that we all really understand the importance of using metrics and KPIs to drive enablement initiatives, but at the same time, many really struggle with how to execute on this. In fact, this topic of metrics-driven enablement has been one of the most requested episode topics that we've gotten from our listenership. So I'm really excited today to be joined by Jen Scopo, who has been a training and organizational consultant for over 15 years and has really mastered using data to guide training and enablement initiatives. Jen is the service delivery manager and instructional designer at WorkRamp, one of my go-to learning management systems, as well as an organizational consultant and keynote speaker in her private practice. So welcome, Jen. I'm so excited and looking forward to our conversation today. Thanks, Roz. I'm really excited. I love any opportunity we have to collaborate. So thanks for having me on today. Ditto, ditto, ditto. I, I had an opportunity to partner with Jen on something for WorkRamp a few months ago, and I was like, yep, she's going to be a guest one day. She doesn't know it yet, <laughs> but she's a guest, so because that worked out. So here we are, and I'm so excited about it. So I want to start at the beginning, and I really love your perspective from the, your training and consulting uh, perspective. Why is it important for sales enablement to use metrics to guide their priorities? Oh, it's such a great question, you know, and something that I see all too often is that training just becomes kind of this ad hoc band-aid, right? It's what everyone uses for onboarding. And then it's just, hey, we have a problem here or we have a new product there. And training and enablement isn't really used strategically. When you can connect a metric to it and see exactly what that line is from improved training practices, which of course, hopefully results in improved processes and productivity, you can draw that straight line to what that does for the business. And that allows you to take much more of a strategic approach onto where your training is needed, what impact that's going to have, and not just for the organization as a whole, but helping your teams understand why polishing their skills is going to make them more productive in what they're doing now and setting them up for success long-term and wherever they choose to go in their next step of their career, it just adds so much value to the experience. And being able to measure that again for both the organization and for those individuals just has this incredible ripple effect of impact that it's so challenging for me when I see companies that don't use those metrics and really helping them see the impact of it. 
Yeah, you just said so much. It got me so excited. And then I want to break it down. First of all, the putting a Band-Aid on something, right? And I love that analogy. Sometimes I'll use the analogies like you put a Band-Aid on a broken foot or a bandage on a broken foot. It might actually make the broken foot, like the compression of it might ease a little bit of pain, but the foot's still broken, right? The fact is you're not going to have exactly. And then if you don't, I remember my brother, he used to pitch in softball, softball or baseball, whatever he played in high school. And he got, he broke his finger once because he caught he caught the ball i don't remember the whole story but he broke his finger but he didn't want to tell his coach because he knew he'd be pulled out right so he continues to play and he plays the whole season with a broken finger <laughs> that sounds and right at the end they had to re-break his finger to reset it and the pain that he was in was so much worse than had he actually addressed it right away but obviously he wanted to to continue the season and i and i always think about that from an enablement perspective of when we're putting a bandage on a broken foot or a broken finger in his case it's still broken or it's going to set wrong right now all the work that you have to back up and do and what really resonated with me what you said is one of the things that i hear from my i coach a lot of sales enablement people who are starting out in their career and and or at a company and they're really having a hard time demonstrating their own value and they find that they they're the cleanup crew Mm -hmm. Right, and they're, and they're or they're the the jump ball, or you know, fix this problem for us rather than really be a partner, really be a strategic, a should have uh, impact the strategic initiatives. And I think your point of using metrics is that, and and they're so frustrated by that. And how do you fix that? You fix that by by using metrics. And then also to your point, your your later points of. I just, we just recently, I was so excited. We just recently started working with a new client and the, their reason for hiring us is to show the team that they're investing in them, right? Mm -hmm. And the only way to, to do that is to show the, the, the learner, this is what's in it for you. And it's so interesting to me how they're showing up because they feel cared for. We'll get into that a little bit more, but they feel cared for and they know, they know why they're doing this and they know how it's going to help them in their own career. And so using the metrics that they're, you know, what you're saying is, how you use it from a strategic initiative, but also to enable the people that you're working with, that you're enabling, whatever role they're in, in, in go to market or, or elsewhere. So really great points. And um, it, it kind of just solidifies the importance of metrics and maybe even gives people a way to articulate it. Because I think, like I said earlier, they know it's important, but why and why should I even like take the time to kind of work through it? So that being said, how does how and, and we've kind of talked about it a little bit i want to go a little bit deeper how does this approach help build those partnerships with the stakeholders and we, we talked about you mentioned already the the actual learner themselves the person being enabled but i'd love to kind of break it down to executives because the executives or the frontline managers are often the ones putting us in the position of the cleanup crew mm -hmm. or the band-aid so how does this help us build how does this approach help us build trust with those stakeholders or what could they do to kind of make it so that we're all looking at it from a metrics perspective and, and we're all looking at similar metrics and not just you know the cleanup crew or the band-aid crew no first of all that was a great recap this is why we do so well together because that was exactly <laughs> where the rest of that was in my brain so this is a perfect articulation and summary but you hit the nail right on the head is that then you have to take it up and elevate it through the organization and really the best way to do that is to tie how every single action, every process, every training directly ties back to what those companies' initiatives are, what those top priorities are, where your main revenue stream is for the company, and showing how these trainings are allowing you to develop that to maximize those opportunities. Because let's face it, if you own a company we are not in a non-for-profit business that it's okay to want to make as much money as possible. And if you can paint that really clear picture of, hey, when we do training on X, Y, and Z, we see this jump in productivity, which translates to, in a sales environment in particular, 
our reps are taking in, you know, X percentage more of closed one deals, mm. able to move through the sales cycle faster. They're identifying issues and obstacles in the customer journey much earlier on. So they're able to overcome those more effectively. And it started with this training with mm. like, exactly. You said, you don't have to break the habits later to go back and teach a better way. You teach the better way from the beginning. And as soon as you have a pulse on where those obstacles are, where the shortcomings of the team are, you're able to address that with a solid enablement program and see a turnaround in that performance, which should be a clear straight line to the revenue for the company. And again, how to drive those initiatives and priorities forward. Yeah. And I think what you're saying is that our stakeholders can't always connect the dots, right? They, they see it, oh, it's a training, or they may even see it as it's time off the sales floor, right? Which no sales leader or go-to-market leader or revenue leader wants to do. But when they see, oh, that training or that time off the sales floor is going to result in X, Y, Z, and it may be a lagging indicator, but then they're like, okay, you're not just someone who's going to clean stuff up. You're somebody that's going to impact it in the long term. And now I'm going to, I'm going to make it a priority. I'm going to make it a priority for the team. I'm going to give you the time and I'm not going to have you working on bullshit. And I think too, exactly. Right. And I think that's where you might be able to get away from that because they just don't understand it. And we have to explain it to them. And I think that becomes a, a part of our job. And maybe that's a whole nother conversation is how do you evangelize what, what you do? Because we have to educate the world of what enablement even is. The other thought I had was, I don't remember. <laughs> I got very excited about that. And that's okay. I had an additional thought. Yeah, yeah, no, something you had just said about that's time, that's money out of their pocket when they're mm -hmm. being taken off the sales floor, off the calls to do a training. And that's exactly what I was alluding to earlier with helping the team see the impact, right? Because a sales team, their time is quite literally their money. So why should I get off yeah. the phone where I'm generating those deals? Why should I step away from that to do this training? And if you can demonstrate that completing this training is going to polish your skills or improve your process to this degree that you're going to see this, you know, X percentage increase in your commission and then actually follow through on that, right? The design of training is a whole nother conversation to make sure it's actually worth their time. Yeah. But you're showing them how, hey, taking this hour once a week, making it part of your culture to constantly improve and to really polish your skills is going to put more money in your pocket. So really seeing that, I like to call it their ROE, their return mm -hmm. on their effort, not just oh, their investment. That. But when wow. I'm putting my time and energy in, what am I getting back from that other than wasted time sitting in front of a screen? I'm so stealing ROE. To think through that. <laughs> no, I'm stealing ROE. Like, I'm going to take it. I'll give you credit for Go it. Go for it. I like it. Love that, love that, love that. So that's so smart, and it's so it's a great way to help other help learners and the and the executives understand or the frontline managers understand it. And I actually remembered the other thing, my other point, as you were Perfect. talking, based on what you were saying. You know, obviously aligning to the priorities that a sales leader um, has. First of all, a separate thought is, you know, we as sales enablement teach our salespeople to align to the priorities of the sales mm -hmm. of the people we're selling to, of the executives we're selling to. It has to be the same exactly. as well, right? We have to align to, and, and when it's aligned to their priorities, then they invest in it. And so we have to do the same thing. So that was a bit of an aha for me as you said that. 
but more so I'm thinking about, or having this conversation during the aftermath of COVID, what we learned or what I learned during COVID is things change so quickly, so dynamically. Everything is, you know, what, what was true two months ago is not true today. It's a little we're bit more calm. Right, it we're true now? this morning, right? <laughs> I think it's calmed down a little bit, but it's still very dynamic. And so sometimes if you're, if you're really aligned to the priorities, you'll be able to be more agile, right? Mm -hmm. so you'll be able to shift and, and, and not get stuck in working on something that was, that was important January 1st or, you know, even the world's changing every every day these days and it's going to continue to be like that so i think really being aligned to the priorities so that you're aligned to the, ex the executive sponsor mm -hmm. just like we would train our salespeople to do you have to do it and also you, it, it allows you to be agile your point on on a separate conversation being how to design it how it's effective we actually did a podcast episode on that so if you're interested in that um you look for designing the episode on designing training for the way salespeople learn so you can it, it definitely goes very well hand in hand with what we're talking about here today so you know, we talked about, we, we established why it's important, but really I think sales name when people really struggle using metrics to guide their initiatives. And they, and they also find it difficult to use the data and the metrics to determine the value of their own initiative. So why do you think this is such a big struggle for enablement or training people? Oh, that's such a great question. I think first, the main challenge I've always had is it can be difficult to draw that line, first of all, to be able to say that this training resulted in this revenue increase. Yeah. Now, when it comes to things like a sales environment, you can peel back that layer of that onion a little bit more. And you can, let's say, first of all, target your enablement, again, based on those metrics of look at the sales stages, look at that journey, where are you losing the most people and what can you do to not lose as many deals right there or to figure out who those people were earlier in the process and not waste your effort on them. Mm. If you can peel down that and figure out exactly where those gaps are and target training toward it, that's hugely impactful. That takes some time and effort though. And again, keep coming back to this point that sales time away from actually interacting with customers is money being taken away unless it becomes part of your culture yeah. and it becomes part of that environment that we're consistently assessing metrics and not just, you know, close one versus close loss, but what happens in between there really drilling down as granular as possible to identify those opportunities and if that becomes part of your regular way of thinking, you're able to pull out those metrics. They make more sense. You're able to get everyone on board with the impact of those and of focusing your training there. But it really does take some time in the beginning. And mm -hmm. that effort, sometimes if you're not looking long-term or have never done it before, it's hard to really wrap your brain around exactly how impactful it is. So really finding the time in the beginning to learn that process to see what metrics are most impactful and to design your training around it can take some time. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's what stops people often. Mm -hmm. I remember my professors in grad school telling me the biggest challenge you'll see when you go out, if you go into training and enablement is that companies don't measure the effectiveness of their training. And I laughed. I assumed she was joking. I'm like, that can't possibly be true with how much money is invested into training, hopefully. Yeah. But I find it true way more often than not. And I've come to learn that I think that's the biggest stopping point is yeah. the time to really break it down in the beginning. I don't even know if I answered your original question, but well, no, I think that's you where did. my I think mind you, went. 
I think no, I definitely think you did, and I and I and it's really interesting to me that 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 your professor said that because it's so true, right? And, mm-hmm. and it, it ends up being kind of like the domino effect of how exactly to the cleanup crew or, or the band aids. Just like we want to tell our salespeople or our revenue generating people to invest in training, we have to invest in building the dashboards and 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 yeah, tie it to the OKRs, tie it to the priorities. Or what I was thinking as you were saying that is like if it's not your core skill set to analyze data, then partner with someone in your company who does analyze data, right? Maybe it's someone in sales operations. And I'm thinking back when I, when I worked at Optimizely, I would meet with our sales operations data person all the time and say, okay, what are we seeing? Where are the red flags? Um, and have them build me dashboards so that I can you know, quickly do it. And I, I was thinking as you were talking of like a specific time when we were really, we had launched a new product and it just wasn't taking. And mm-hmm. I, and I was trying to figure out like, what, where did we go wrong? Was it a training problem? Was it a, is it a product? Pro- like it, I thought it was a training problem. I didn't know where we broke, where, where the chain broke. Mm-hmm. And I really digging in the data with somebody who was way smarter than me in data analysis. It, I realized where it was breaking and it was breaking at the trial. Right. And so it's like, okay, after the customer got the trial. So, okay. So now we have to support the sales team and maybe how to execute on a trial or mm-hmm. do they have the right stories to sell to a trial or do they have the right metrics for the trial? They, are they knowing what success looks like in the trial? Because that that's where it's breaking, right? So th- that's an example of going really granular, but overall, what are we looking for? And, I, and you mentioned earlier, you gave the example of like onboarding is always in there. And it's funny because when I ask people like, what metrics do you measure? Like time to first deal. Yeah. Okay, great. That's great. Mm-hmm. But like, we don't do it past that, right? We don't do it for product <laughs> training. We don't do it for competitive. We don't do it for other sales skills, right? We So it's interesting because we're, you know, onboarding is a tremendous initiative for enablement and it sometimes is the most, the, the first one that we work on, but long-term, we should be thinking like that as well. So get it, taking that time, what I'm hearing you saying is take the time, invest in that. So you set up a, a, a way to really keep a pulse on those initiatives and tie it to the priorities and then really be able to find the red flags when you need it so that you can then be agile. Is, is, did I get that right? Yes, that's exactly it. It's really knowing what those metrics are, what you're measuring, how to keep a pulse on it, and then how to correlate what your training is doing versus those processes versus that productivity and really being able to drill that down and identify those gaps to improve them. That's exactly it. Yeah. So the next thought that comes to my mind is sometimes it's a lagging indicator, right? Sometimes Mm -hmm. I can do training, but it's going to take let's say, let's use my example of product training, right? So you do a product training and the salespeople changes, it's a new product and the salesperson has to change their messaging and has to change their demo. And it's going to take them a few, a few weeks and uh, of, of practicing that. And then the customer has to, you know, they have to get to that point in the sales process. So it might not be a few months before I know that mm-hmm. whether it's working. And meanwhile, you know, people that are looking at data, like tell me, did it work? Right. So what's your advice there? And what, are, what is the way for us to kind of like, catch it because when i go back to my example of the product training i wish i would have noticed earlier mm-hmm. what the problem was at that at that step in the process so do you have any thoughts on that or how do we because i think that's another challenge that we have is like it's it's it could be six months from now before we even have this data yes that's exactly where some of that challenge comes that's a part of what i was saying earlier of not having the time or investing in it or it seeming like such an overwhelming task and that's exactly it right it's not like putting a marketing post out there, immediately looking at your analytics and seeing how many new clicks you've had to your website as a result, training takes time. So it's really with training and enablement, you always have to start at the end. What's the outcome you're hoping to achieve by which timeline is reasonable to achieve it? Not again, you take this training, you immediately close new deals starting tomorrow, but what's that ideal timeline and what actual key performance indicators are you looking at? 
And you have to know that before you start. So your training can be orchestrated around it. And then it's really being able to measure it ongoing and frankly, to get the feedback from the team Mm -hmm. to recognize that maybe there wasn't enough product training on this. Maybe they do need more practice there. So utilizing if you have software, like I know at WorkRamp, we're huge fans of Gong is a great way to be able to go back and analyze phone calls to coach each other directly from there. And that's one of my favorite things that we do as a whole team, not even in our enablement team, is one of our core values is always be improving, which means everyone is comfortable getting and giving feedback from anyone, from a peer, directly from the CEO, from your supervisor, and having that constant open exchange. So everyone is mindful of it. And it's not just, yeah, I took this training two months ago and oh, now I'm closing deals, but it keeps that a consistent message that this training is what set the stage for it. Mm -hmm. And having that be part of your daily culture will help it feel more productive and not let it go completely out of mind. So then you really can see that line there. Yeah, I love that you brought up Gong, right? Because it, 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 it's a way to see, are they implementing in real time for real mm-hmm. data? These are real life customer conversations and you can use, and you can probably find those early indicators of, are they implementing it or are they not? Mm-hmm. So that's brilliant, right? Because in Gong or some of the technologies like Gong, you can build in things to look out for, like right? in, in inflection points to look out for and then get immediate data right away. And, and, and so that's a really helpful tool that's more recent in the, in the, in the tech stack that, that can mm-hmm. be very helpful. And then you can also, first of all, what I love about it is that you can't argue it. It's, it's what really happened. It's not a role play. It's, <laughs> right. not, it's not up to interpretation. It's yeah, a recording. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's what really happened. Um, and it can give you an indication. What I find a lot when I look at sales data is, or sales training data, right after you train something, if the training was good, the numbers the, the numbers are moving in the right direction, and then mm-hmm. it drops down. Right, you start seeing it. They stop. It's and you, and you, you, you lose that momentum. You lose the momentum, right? So mm-hmm. if if it went up, it means they got it. It's just they're not maintaining it. And you're using something like Gong. You're knowing for real as soon as it's dropping, right? And so mm-hmm. maybe you need to reinforce something, right? And that's why I love WorkRamp because I can break out a little micro learning and, and just have them just remind them, like go back to, you know, to, to, to review this because I'm seeing in my data of let's say, you know, Gong to tell me that, that they're really struggling with that. The other thing that you said that I think is so smart is um, identify these KPIs upfront mm-hmm. and make sure that everybody knows what those are, right? And so set that expectation that it's gonna take us six months till we see fully the full results of this. However, we'll know, we'll start looking at indicators of gong calls or, you know, whatever, whatever that those KPIs are. So everybody's is, is working with you. So there's not this frustration of, I don't know that it was worth anybody's time that we did this training. Right. Or mm-hmm. even more so we have to, we have to adjust a little bit here and let's do that because we see this data. So getting that, first of all, knowing it for yourself and being very thoughtful on that and then sharing that with your stakeholders and making them a partner. I think that could be very helpful. Yes, absolutely. That's exactly how that pulls together tactically. And I just wanted to ping back to something you mentioned a minute ago, being in training for 15 years, I've worked with so many different LMS organizations. I've built training in so many different platforms because of one of the natures of my private practice is developing training programs for my clients. And two of the most amazing features that really just work ramp tips the scales for me every time is the ability to do a pitch certification directly in the program where you can do a challenge. You can create a really specific rubric and metric that whoever your reviewer is, whether it's a peer, a manager can really give you some impactful feedback. 
you can even use a gong call as the training. So they're not duplicating those efforts and you can set it. So it's getting reassigned. So let's say you assign the training now and they do the challenge initially after going through that, you know, interactive training to teach them, you can set it. So it automatically reassigns itself in three weeks. So are they still using those tactics? And then it's giving the rep a chance to say, Hey, I think this is my best example of what I've done. You tell me, and yeah. it just keeps, again, that mindset of always be improving, of really looking to sharpen their skills and giving them the accountability too, that you're yeah. saying, hey, in two weeks, this is going to be reassigned to you. So as you're doing these live customer calls, note for yourself, which of these do I think was the best or the opposite? Which of these yeah. did I struggle with the most that I feel like I need the most feedback? And really relying on whatever your LMS is and whatever those features are is just so impactful to, again, it has to be a culture of training, not just I onboarded and we have this new product I have to learn, but I should always be sharpening my skills and I should always be utilizing what was shared because you're right, that momentum drops. You hear a strategy and you're like, yes, let's do it. I'm excited about this. But after three or four phone calls, if you don't see an immediate result, it's really easy to default back to old habits. And then the training was a waste of everyone's time. Yeah. Or even if I did see results, but I I got back to being, you know, my old habits or what. Exactly. And, and, and what I hear you saying, one of the reasons why I, I love that those features in, in WorkRamp is because training is not a once and done event, right? Exactly. It should be a program. And it's, it's, and, and that, that makes the, the partnership between you and, the, and the, the people you're enabling in the sales leadership team is that, yes, we may bring you together for, you know, today it's, it's virtu- you know, a live virtual or we're going to, you know, it, put something in WorkRamp that we're going to have everybody go through. But it's not just this one time. You're going to come back and maybe we'll, we'll cut it into pieces. Mm-hmm. And then the, the, the ability to be able to use something like a real live call and gong, it's not... The salesperson can't say what they think happened or they want it to happen or what they want you to think happened. You know, I think role-playing is so important, but what I find is people either are, are way, way too nice or way, way too mean, right? Mm-hmm. And customers are somewhere in between in real life, right? And so <laughs> you use, you know, something like a gong into the learning and then also remind them in a few, in a few weeks and it allows them to choose. But also the other thing that I love that you said is you tell the salesperson, you like over the next three weeks, think about which ones you want to share. So it's, it stays top of mind for them. Mm-hmm. It wasn't training on, you know, on Tuesday morning, three weeks ago, it was, oh, okay, I should be thinking about this. And that's going to remind them to apply what they learned. And that's really where training sticks. It's not in the actual training itself. So really, really great features and, and great points. What about the, you know, one of the things that I hear from sales enablement people is, if I come up with metrics, it's going to, how do they say it? They say something that's going to, um, it's going to shoot me in the foot somehow, <laughs> right? Like I'm going to be promising something maybe I can't deliver or I don't know. Somehow it's going to backfire on me. Do you hear that? Did your professor talk about that? What are some <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. That's a huge reason people are trigger shy. Like, let me not say that I'm going to meet this goal because I'm not sure if I can. And I have two thoughts there. First, I'm from New York, as I know you are as well. So really direct interpretation there. Um, Deal with it. You're right. You may not meet it, but that's going to give you just as much insight as if you knocked it out of the park because you're really going to be able to see, wow, where did we fall short? Was the training not designed in a way? Exactly. That set them up for this. And did they not put the focus in? Was there not the follow through? identifying those gaps in the process is going to help you maybe set a more realistic goal going forward and strengthen all the pieces of the process along the way. 
So if it's your first time really using metrics to design your training to lead your enablement program, then accept the fact that you're probably not going to knock it out of the park the first time, but that's okay, right? In training, I tell my trainees, I love kind of scaring the life out of them the first few moments <laughs> of the workshop and saying, my ultimate goal for you in this training is for you to fail yeah. and just watching the color drain from their face yeah. and then follow it up with, you know what, if you fail here with me, I can help you and make you the best version you can be. So when you get out and you're doing this for real, you're yeah. not failing. And if you do, you're able to learn from it, not get stopped by it. Yeah. And as enablement professionals, we sometimes have to take our own advice there as well. Yeah. Be comfortable with falling on your face so you can make it better next time. And I'm yeah. sure you won't be as far off as that, that it won't be as extreme where it's a complete failure, but you'll notice what those misses are. And being comfortable acknowledging those is only going to strengthen that culture of training that we don't expect perfection. We expect your best effort and just constant progress. Yeah. And I think too, like it helps, it, it, it makes you, yeah, you may not hit on something, but you then come back and say, here's what I learned, right? We, we, we could have done this differently or, you know, this other factor, there's, you know, the thing with enablement, sometimes it's, there's other factors that we can control, like, oh, pandemic breaks out, right? Like mm -hmm. maybe my metrics got messed up because we did a training, you know, three weeks before we went into lockdown and we went into lockdown, right? And so, or maybe your training wasn't that good. And I, you know, sometimes I have to look back yeah. and were my objectives right? Did I hit it right? Do I, can I come back and, and fix it? And I think if you make that partnership and say, this is our ultimate goal that we have to get to, then let's, let's have, you know, what are the executables that we're going to be looking at to get us there? And my experience, having been doing this for a hundred years now, is <laughs> times when I messed up and I know, and I caught it and and I, and I was just honest about it with our leadership is exactly. when I built relationships is when I build trust with the leadership. I'm mm -hmm. thinking of a specific time. It was, it was a CEO direct uh, initiative and this CEO talk about a New Yorker. Whew. <laughs> and, uh, I'm a New Yorker. And this guy was like the best of them. And I it just, this training just completely failed. And it was my lack of expertise and, and, and lack of, of just, I, I missed the ball on some things. And he, and I was scared. I, he called me into to, to a meeting in, a, in this big boardroom, which is the room he always used. And so it made it even scarier. And he's like, so what happened there? You know? And I was like, you know what? I screwed up. And here's why. Here's what I learned from it. A, B, C, D. And I was so scared. I was like, I could get fired. You know, like he, he, his right. reputation would have been to just say, well, then get out. And he looked at me and he said, I really appreciate the, the hindsight that you did the what you learned from it and what you're going to do differently going forward so great learning and and i was just like what and he had this reputation of being really scary <laughs> and after that he always trusted me because he knew that i if i if it didn't if it was wrong I, if, it, if it was a failure i'd be like it failed and here's why and i remember like months go back later on like months the months went by and i was in a uh, meeting with many many people in the room and he didn't know i was in the room he was on on a conference call um he was virtual at the time and he said something like, we were talking about a program and he said, if you would ask Roz, what she would tell you is the reason why it didn't work was, and he it was cry. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> like that ends up being that it was one of the best things that I, that I, it was a tremendous learning experience for me. So the point is don't be scared of it. Right. Like, Absolutely. That's what we learn, right. Just like any other, just like we train people on skills, mm -hmm. but also we have to be honest, if there are factors outside of our control, 
you change leadership, a pandemic breaks out, whatever it is, and we have to put <laughs> that into our metrics and, and, and then say, you know what, we were on track until the pandemic broke out. Nobody's going to argue with you on that, that pandemic mm-hmm. broke out for everybody, right? Or we were on track, but then, you know, we lost the sales leader and, and we you know, changed leadership and we changed leadership. You know, there was the change management didn't go as smoothly as we wanted it to or whatever. So we're backing up and we're now going to readjust this way, right? And so again, you become a partner and not someone promising things. So really great insight for that. Okay, so we know we've established why it's important and we've established some of the things to kind of be, to, to be looking out for. So, and you kind of alluded to a little bit, but I'd love to go, you know, a little bit deeper is what are some of the ways that they, that we could approach using metrics to and data to, to kind of build their priorities? Yeah, I think it's exactly like you said, it just pulls together a lot of what we've been talking about is knowing where the strengths are, knowing where the organization gets their main revenue stream, identifying opportunities for new revenue streams, and then just being able to kind of step it backwards, right? Just like with training, you start at the end with what performance indicators are we trying to achieve and build backwards to how do we get there? Starting with those big picture goals, where do we need to see that improvement? Where do we need to see the most revenue? What new changes do we have coming? And then building backwards to how do we really leverage our enablement team and our training programs to make sure that we're on the path to get there and keeping a pulse on it at all those little milestones along the way. Exactly like you said, identifying, hey, we tried this and it it actually brought us backwards. It's not bringing us toward that milestone. But if you're keeping that little pulse on it all along the way, you're able to keep collectively moving toward that. And it keeps everyone's eyes on the prize, right? Mm -hmm. No one wants to feel just like another cog in the wheel, but how is what you're doing advancing the organization? How is this training going to help you play your role in advancing the organization? So it really just pulls together a lot of the strategies that we've been talking about. Yeah, I love the way you said it is like start with the end in mind and then back to, back up from there, right? Because that's what we're trying to, to get to. And then mm-hmm. you kind of break it into manageable pieces. The other thing that I thought of as you were talking is something you said earlier was talk to the salespeople. Talk to the people you're enabling. Get feedback from them, right? Absolutely. Like we forget them sometimes and that's mm-hmm. where we exist. So whoever you're enabling, go to market or any any function. So yeah, I think those are some great tips. What are some, so let's kind of get a little bit more tactical now. So, you know, you, you mentioned WorkRamp. What are some metrics or indicators that sales enablement specifically should be looking at or some suggestions of maybe for different topics um, or for different programs that will, that will kind of guide them to, okay, that's, that's a metric that will show me if I'm moving in the right direction. That is a great question. And I think for me, it always comes back to the deal stages, the customer journey, whatever your organization's vernacular is for that, but always looking at exactly where the execution is, right? Too many people go, like you said, time to close and how many close versus how many you were lost without really diving into too much granularity along the way. And that's really what you need to do is that first of all, make sure everyone's clear on exactly what those steps are, right? Everyone knows in general where you're driving that customer, how to get there, having those really defined buckets and then being able to drill into those of where did we lose this or why did we win this? What was that tipping point? And then being able to correlate all that data, pulling all of it together and seeing what are the commonalities. And then once you have that correlation, 
my research brain says that's never sufficient to <laughs> completely that you can use that to guide you to figuring out that direct cause and effect. Mm -hmm. So is it something that is product related that you can't really do anything about? Is it the reps approach in doing it? So, but really using one thing as kind of that basis and being able to peel back those layers for each of those stages, each of those buckets is going to help you find those commonalities beyond how fast are we moving people through and what competitor are they going to if they're not coming to us, but really taking it a much more strategic, intentional approach with it. Yeah. And that will help us micro train, if you will, right? Because we exactly. find- and, and uh, yeah, and I think of it, and I use the analogy a lot of, of driving because everybody, most people drive. And, you know, if you're, if you're studying for your, for your uh, driving test in many cities, you have to parallel park, right? Mm -hmm. and maybe, among other things. And maybe, I don't I can't parallel park, I'll be honest. I think the last time I parallel parked was <laughs> driver's test. But, but if I am struggling with parallel parking, then I, then I can say, okay, this is, this is the skill that I need to, to mm -hmm. read. You mentioned that you know, we, and we said in the in the in the intro that you work for WorkRamp. What what um, data or reports in WorkRamp do you look at, or do you tell your clients to look at to to kind of pick up on skill needs and skill development needs? You know, there's a lot of different ways to slice the metrics in your LMS, but like you said, speaking specifically to I know WorkRamp's capabilities is really being able to drill down how much time they're spending on training, being able to look and see directly correlating again, those people to how much time they're spending on training, see if that's impacting the performance. And then also always keeping a pulse on yourself, right? You can't just look at them and see their completion records, see what those scores are, but really looking at when it comes to inaction, right? Of course, you're looking at scores and grades for those rote memorization answers of, can they match these two items? Can they get this true, false, these multiple choice, these hotspot, you know, click on where they go on a screen or a slide type of thing. But really utilizing those interactive pieces where you're able to see their submissions, see their little practice along the way, those micro trainings that you keep mentioning that are going to give you a pulse on how they're getting the information. So then you can decide, is everyone falling off at this particular place? Are we seeing the most wrong answers here? And that likely comes back to you. Yeah. That did I put the content in there? Did I phrase the question appropriately? So keeping a pulse on not just their completion and their scores and correlating that to those individuals' performances, but also being able to keep that constant pulse on how effective your training is in giving them those skills. Yeah, yeah. As you're talking, I was remembering a time when we did a training and there was two questions that everybody got wrong in the, in the, in the right. assessment. And that, that's an indicator. <laughs> right? And so it was like, okay, this is an area where we either didn't train it enough or it's still confusing, right? Mm -hmm. So let's, let's build something or let's reinforce this specific thing. So I don't have to throw out the entire thing, but it was this specific initiative or did we just word it weirdly? And it turned out that in, in that case, it was like, we had gone a little too complex-ish and we made in our subject matter- Absolutely you know, was, and you have this sometimes, subject matter experts are subject matter experts. They're sometimes they're too complicated <laughs> for, for what a salesperson needs to be able to do. So we kind of, all right, all right, this is where they're still struggling. And we were able to say, you know, we know that you all 
you know, got this question wrong or a big majority of you got this question wrong. So we're going to reinforce it. Right. And they know mm-hmm. they got it wrong because it bothers them that they got it wrong. And I remember one time I was like, you worried that question in a such a tricky <laughs> way. Like, you know, yeah, they get really picky about it as they should. They're taking it seriously yeah, like that. <laughs> absolutely. So, and, and it was, and it was fair feedback. They were right. It was, it was, it, it was in the way we, we worded the question and we could have done a better job of, of that specific, you know, section of the, of the, of the program. So being able to get that data was able to, okay, now let's reinforce that. And mm-hmm. it showed partnership, it showed that we listened, that we pay attention. Um, and it gave us, and it gave us a quick um, insight. It was like, oh, you need to reinforce that. So that was, that was really helpful. And it kind of talks to, you know, fixing some of the problems that we said earlier. The other thing I think that was interesting that you said is like, how much time are they spending, right? That can tell you, A, are they taking it seriously? But B, is it clear enough to them, right? Mm-hmm. If you think it should have taken them 30 minutes and it's taking them an hour. What's, what's, what's broken here, right? Or are they not doing it at all? Right, the opposite. <laughs> yeah. Is it because they feel they know it and maybe have them test out to prove yay or nay? Or do they not understand the importance of this? Is it right. not by leadership is it not isn't a tie to objective do they not understand how it's tied to the okrs so all that could be data as well yeah for sure no that makes perfect sense and as we were talking i thought of something that has been a huge miss on my part that i haven't mentioned throughout all of this is with metrics it's really easy and clearly the natural instinct as is what i keep going back to is seeing where the deficits are mm-hmm. and training on that there's a huge missed opportunity if you don't also leverage the strengths. If you see there's a part of your process that your team is knocking out of the park, if you're already good at something, additional training and coaching could make you a rock star, make you the expert, the go-to person in that. And if you're seeing, hey, our team really just kills it when we get to this part or when we have this objection or we're up against this competitor. So how can we leverage that to the nth degree to be amazingly impactful and to get not just fix the problems, but really take advantage of where we're strongest. So don't miss that when you're looking at your metrics. Don't gloss over that. And frankly, it'll make your team feel that much more confident and invested in to recognize, hey, you're really good at this. I want you to be amazing at this. Yeah. Yeah. Take them from A to A plus. Exactly. So much more productivity. And and as you I love, 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 love that point. I'm so glad you made it. Think too, like tell the sales leader or the or the or the or the revenue leader, like your team is really good at this. Let's continue to to support yes. and maximize it. Everyone so, loves hearing that. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and you you pay attention. You're like, oh, I'm good at that. Let me get better at it. Right. So yeah. Um, and you have the data to prove it, right? Mm-hmm. So how do we how do we put set them up to be in you know positions like that more often, for example? So that's that's great. That's a great great point to say. I think too, to kind of along those lines, when you were saying that, I thought of you know, a lot of time in sales enablement, we get what I'll call the emotional ask, right? Mm-hmm. We lost a very big deal to one competitor and all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, we have to have a whole training on this competitor because you know, <laughs> I understand it, right? But then you look at like, man, this one salesperson messed up with this competitor. But right. if I can look at data in, you know, your learning management system to say, most of the team did really, really well on this competitive training and, th- and, and this salesperson didn't. So I can look at, let's say, so I can look at trends of saying most of the people are okay with this topic. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to jump because this one very vocal or this one deal was lost. It's either the very, very vocal salesperson or one deal. Right. One important deal was lost. And to a salesperson, any deal is important to them, right? Especially, and I understand it, but you're a one to many, right? So if I can say it's not the problem, is the problem, the question I ask myself a lot is, is the problem tra- the, the training enablement or is the problem 
something else, right? And sometimes right. It's, not, it's not the enablement. And so being able to look at the metrics and say, you know, 85% of the sales team would have aced this mm -hmm. and not lost a deal for that reason. So maybe I'm going to coach this person, but I don't have to go build a whole new training program. Absolutely. Versus 85% is really not getting this right. I got to go build a new training program, right? <laughs> Oh, that's where you kind of could look at the metrics and use it to show the sales leaders because, you know, I'm thinking of a time when we had a, a new hire and he went to his manager and said, I'm not being enabled. I don't have A, B, C, D. And the manager came to me as they should have. And I went and I looked at the data and I looked to see, okay, which, which of the learning, which of the, the trainings did he take? And um, none. So I went back <laughs> to the, the sales leader and I called them both into the room and I said, you know, I hear you and I, and I'm willing to support you, but you haven't used what we already have out there. Mm -hmm. And I pulled up the data and they were both shocked. They were like, Oh, she has this data, <laughs> you know, <laughs> There's <now>. proof here. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, Jimmy, you have to, this is a partnership. You have to complete these courses. And if you complete the courses and you're still struggling, by all means come to me. But for right now, everybody else who's took the courses is good. Right. You know, so I just need you to take these courses and then, and, then, and then we'll have this conversation. So the fact that you have that insight could be helpful as well. And I think, you know, it might be even more important during, for those, those companies that are still um, operating completely remotely. It's, um, and one of the things that I love about WorkRamp is it's so user-friendly that you could have the sales leader or the frontline manager look at the data themselves. You can give them reports so they can see where their team is, is really struggling or really excelling and help them to use that to coach the salespeople because right now they're not in, in many cases, they're not in the same room as these people. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. You have a cool, neat little dashboard that gives you a quick summary of your team. You're able to see all of their submissions. Even if you don't want to ever click into the system, except when you need to, you can yeah. schedule that report to come out and just be able to get that data. And it's just so easy to keep a pulse on everyone and really hold them accountable. Exactly how you just said, like, Hey, dude, you're not doing well with this because you didn't do what we told you to. So try that first. <laughs> Just having yeah. that and, like concrete information to pull from. And then by all means, if they did complete it and they're not doing well, then come back to the enablement and tell them that, right? Exactly. And do it for one, do it for several, but you also, you'll have that data and you could then be a partner. And if you're having to manage a remote workforce right now, which many of us, many people will be doing for the foreseeable future, maybe even ever at this point, they're choosing to do it ever. Not that we'll be in, 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 a, in a COVID pandemic situation forever, knock on wood, but, <laughs> but a lot of tech is deciding, ICSC is, is going to stay, or at least have the option of remote. But either way, I think the sales leaders are looking for ways, or frontline managers are looking for ways to coach. And I think one of the things that I saw as a, a, a good benefit of or a silver lining of this whole COVID thing is I think sales frontline managers are, are re realizing the importance of coaching. Absolutely. Right? And so this is a, a tool that you can use as well. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to take advantage of the fact that you have this expertise and that you're very passionate about employee retention as well. And I'm going to um, shift the conversation slightly to, you know, we, we live in very dynamic times right now. It's scary times. The economy is struggling and it's, we don't know how long this uncertainty, we don't know how long this is going to last and how long it's going to take to come back. And we've seen a lot of organizations being forced to do layoffs. And what that does too, is it forces companies to do more with the less people that they have. Absolutely. And the people that are left behind have a lot of insecurity and they might start thinking like, you know, is the grass greener on the other side? So how can enablement and time metrics to help retain the employees that they that they're keeping and make sure that these employees feel a little bit more secure in very uncertain times 
I love this question. Okay, well, <laughs> my my LinkedIn profile jokingly says, kind of serious on my business card too, that I'm the wizard of employee engagement and retention. Yep. This is a huge area of passion for mine because some of the main reasons companies lose top talent are so easily fixable that I want everyone to know and to do it. One of the biggest misses is to let training your employees become an insecurity for the company. Mm. What I mean by that is that some organizations have the mindset of, well, if I train them too well, they're going to leave. They're going to go someplace else. You know what? In some cases that may be the case, but if you're training someone so well and they leave, it's because they don't have the growth opportunities with you to leverage those skills. Mm -hmm. But when you are training them, you're going to give them so much more power and confidence to be their best for you that if they feel invested in, you're taking the time to train them, especially right now during COVID. So many people are so concerned their job can be eliminated at a moment's notice. Mm -hmm. If you're taking the time to invest in them, that quiets that little voice. Mm -hmm. That gives them a lot of stress gets taken off their plate. It gives them a lot more focus of, okay, I'm safe. The company values me because they see that I'm good. They want me to be better. So how can I then be my best self here and be the most productive? You're right. Most people aren't going to stay with you forever. Our current generations, we don't really do that, right? You don't stay with a company for 40 years, 50 years in most cases, but you want them to be the best they can be with you and investing in them with training is one of the biggest actions that you can take to really demonstrate how much you value them. It's not enough to say, yeah, we value you. We have this team culture. We want you to be as successful as you can. None of that matters if you don't take action on that and you don't invest in them. You don't help them become better and you don't recognize when they are being better and just creating that culture that really focuses on them as well because they're the ones driving that, right? You can't do any of these things we're talking about without the human force behind it. And they need to feel as powerful and enabled, for lack of a better word, as yeah. possible to really do that. So I'm going to step down off this soapbox before I completely divert this train <laughs> we're on right here. But short message, invest in your people and they will invest back in you. Really take the time to take those actions. Yeah, I love it. And you can stay on the soapbox because I think it's so important. <laughs> Get the most out of them while they're with you, right? Right. Because if they if they if they don't feel like they're being enabled or supported, invested in, then they're gonna they're gonna phone it in, and it's easier to phone it exactly. in exactly home office, right? And so <laughs> invest in them, and they'll and they'll give you the best. And and when they leave, they'll leave you in you know in in the, in, in a good place, not in right. a place because they are going to leave um it's funny because i was thinking like you know i'm i'm old enough to be in a, in a to have started in the workforce when you're expected to stay at a job for you know many many years now i get calls from recruiters when like you've been doing this for three years what are you doing like where's your ambition you know like not <laughs> i had been at a company for almost three years and the recruiters were like what are you doing it's time to move you know and it's like oh okay that changed new landscape uh, right <laughs> yeah and, and it is the way it is these days so yeah i think it's very important what you're saying the other thing is the other thing i took from what you said is change the narrative with the salespeople, not you have to take this training, but we are investing in your skill sets for today mm -hmm. and forever, right? You're going to take this, some of, the, some of the training you can do is going to help them forever. Some is not, right? But if you're giving them, let's say, sales skills or sales process skills or objection handling skills or whatever, right? That's something they're going to take with them wherever they go, mm -hmm. right? Whether, well, you know, your specific product stuff, they may not. But so but tell them that, right? 
and if it's something that's specific to your company, like we want you to have the best chance of closing a deal in a difficult time. We want you to be set up the best. Let them know that. That changes the whole way you look at things to, oh, I have to do this. And you know, and something I think enabling people really need to keep in mind, especially in, in the times we're living in today is, there's many people that are homeschooling children because I don't know, schools open or closing, nobody knows. Um, or on that one. <laughs> yeah. Or they can stay open for more than a week or whatever. Right. And, and the truth is, you know, if you, I don't care if there's a teacher on the other line, if you have an eight year old, you're going to have to help them. Right. And so right. I have to keep that in mind when I'm asking someone to do training, like what else is going on in their life? Are they homeschooling somebody? Do they have the privacy that they need to, to focus on a training? Do they, and maybe I need to help them to, to be able to do that. Are, you know, is there someone in their life that, that got COVID? Like all these right. things have to be taken into account. Are they worried about their job security and addressed and acknowledged? And, and it's interesting because as you were talking, you know, I've been trying to really listen to salespeople more so now than ever, because I think that they, this is so unprecedented that you have to hear from them. You can't assume that you, what you experience as a salesperson is still true. And it was, what's really interesting to me when I talk to salespeople is I think they have more of an appreciation for enablement than they've ever had before. Absolutely. And, right. The way they talk to you and the way they appreciate the trainings in a way and the support they're getting and the knowledge that they're being given in a way that they that, that I that I haven't heard in, in in ever before in my career. Which is nice. It's just not, and I don't know and I think enablement is doing a really good job. They're really doing a good job of being the eyes and ears, of being the empath the empathetic place to go to, place to land, and thinking through like how is this really gonna help them? And I think that they're they're really appreciating that. So let's continue to to, to maximize on that. Yes, so, exactly. Yeah. Great conversation. I'm so glad that we had it. I, I think my biggest takeaway is see yourself as the partner and execute as a partner and use metrics to do that. And it just changed the partner with your executive leadership team, your entire company, your frontline managers, your salespeople, your people that you're enabling. I keep saying salespeople, your people you're enabling <laughs> and use the metrics to develop that partnership with them, to establish what you're going to be working towards together, build smaller milestones that ultimately build up into the larger milestones and be able to be agile from what you're learning. So, and invest in people and let them know that they're being invested. So great, great, great conversations. Um, and I really appreciate all your insight here. Before we close, one question I've been asking all my guests, um, and this doesn't <laughs> have to necessarily relate to, to a work topic. It could be a personal topic. You know, I, we mentioned that we're, we're recording this during the aftermath of COVID during <laughs> and the economic impact that they had. What's one thing that you think is going to change for the better as, as a result of the shared misery that we're all going through <laughs> with the COVID-19 pandemic? No, that's a great question. There's a lot of things that I hope change for the better. I mean, this sci-fi movie isn't exactly what Rick Grimes set us up for. This is what none of us were intending on, right? Not that any of that seemed like fun either, but this isn't something any of us saw coming. And it's really forced the entire planet, the entire human race to hit the pause button. Yeah. And I really hope when we come out of this, this isn't something we just brush off as an experience that was frustrating and every other positive and negative emotion you can associate with it, but that people really step away valuing what those interactions are with other people, really seeing how important it was to switch your priorities, right? So many of us, I absolutely love working for Workgram. I love my career. I love my consulting practice, but it's really forced me over the past few months. I laughed and you said homeschooling because my wife and I, we have a toddler and a tween. 
no more nanny, no more school. And it's really forced us to reassess and reprioritize how our family fits into our lives and making sure the kids are first while still being as productive as we possibly can. Luckily, we both are able to work from home, but I really hope that that shift in priority sticks with us, right? Especially us as Americans, we get called out all the time that even if you're on vacation, you're out of office basically says, hey, if you email me enough times, I'm still going to get back to you. Meanwhile, in Europe, they're like, I'm out. I'm enjoying my mental health time, my family time. So see in two weeks, you'll survive. Hope more of us adopt that. I mean, that's a, yeah, exactly. Of really just that shift in priority of appreciating the human interaction and still being our best in our careers, but putting more of an effort of being our best in the rest of our lives too. So I really hope that that sticks and it's not just a temporary solution. Yeah. Amen. So the means to the end and it is important what you do, but it's the means to the end. Cause we, we, we learned that pretty the hard way. And I think the other thing that you said, it's like, this is a shared experience. The entire world has gone through. I don't right. care who you are, like everyone. It, and that's so unique. We've never had, that. I've never had that before. So no. let's use that to our advantage. So really great insight. Thank you so much, Jen. Stay safe. Keep your family safe. And so appreciate your insight. Yeah, this was fabulous. Thanks for having me, for everyone listening. Um, appreciate it. Hope this was a good use of your time today. Awesome. Thank you. As we close out today's episode, we would like to thank purpleplanet.com for our music production, and we thank you for listening. We encourage you to get in touch with us with any requests for future topics, any questions that you have, or just to say hello. We can be found at level213.com. That's L E V E L. And then the digits 213.com. Or you can always find us on LinkedIn as well. Have a great day.